With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into DNVR Watches The Mandalorian Chapter 15 The Believer. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. Joining me, as is typically the case, is Super Producer Kale. And man, this is going to be an interesting conversation. I can feel it in my bones already. We started going before we even came on, and we we're basically just going to pick up right there because. I feel I've been asking you for the last several weeks, right? I've been starting with better than as good as or not as good as as the last episode, and and I feel like that's just not fair to this episode. It's yeah, fair because so here's what I was saying right before the show. Right. It's not that I didn't like this episode; it was mm. an objectively good episode of television. Like it was a good little Star Wars episode of The Mandalorian. It's just trying to compare it to the Boba Fett episode, which was preceded by the Ahsoka Tano episode, which was preceded by, you know, two incredible episodes. Like, just, it, it's hard to, like, yeah. hard because it, it was effectively an episode of television. I enjoyed it. I don't have a lot of problems with it, even. It's just totally what we've got in the last couple of weeks, but that's also an impossible standard. So I can't <laughs> right. and say, right. I need to hold it to that standard. It can't be the Ahsoka Tano episode. It can't be what the Boba Fett episode was. Like, totally. I, that's an impossible expectation to hold it to, but of course it was worse than those episodes. If I'm trying right. to compare it. Right. Uh, t- yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. So I'll, I'll say that up front. I, I will say, for me, you know, this is one of those. I, I feel like this was a filler episode, and and a lot of times that has a, a really negative connotation. I feel like for the most part in this series, The Mandalorian, when they've had filler episodes, they've been only okay. This one for me had several things that that set it apart from a lot of the filler episodes where, where yeah, I thought it was one of the better, better filler episodes we've gotten a hundred percent right compared to the filler episode we had on Tatooine last season with the little dude in the speeder like like compared to that it's cinematic right. art but it was still filler that's what it right. was right it was slow it was filler here here's why so I'll get into the thing that I really really liked about this episode as a philosophy major as somebody who dives really deeply into certain uh, moral and ethical dilemmas kind of for fun, because I find these impossible puzzles to solve very interesting. They actually touched on what I wrote my college thesis on, which was whether or not morality has an absolute truth or whether it is 
relative to each person and each situation. And the Bill Burr character, right, gets to represent relativism, the idea that your morality shifts depending on the situation you're in and that nobody is actually a better, worse person. Born on Mandalore, you you feel one thing. Born on uh, born on Alderaan, you feel another. They're both yep. dead now. Like right. that line totally sets the stage for honestly how his character interacts with morality the entire episode until the very end when he makes a moral choice. Right. And it's very interesting. There's a lot of great stuff in this episode. It's yeah. yeah. A lot of actual deeper the deep thoughts. character. There yes. Was, I mean, almost half the episode is spent in a a pure dialogue sequence across a lunchroom table and it's written so well that it's compelling television there was something very theatrical and classical about the way this episode handled storytelling in the fact that it's dealing with these larger moral questions and it becomes very much about these character types dealing with them in different ways and there's something very classical and very theatrical about that and for a filler episode to debt to dive into such deep concepts and do it in a way that's really compelling. That's why I, like I said, I really enjoyed this episode. It's a good episode. Yeah. It's hard to compare to what we've had this season thus far. Right. It's tough because I personally love the tension of Mando sitting at a table with his mask off, listening to two Imperials Fight, not knowing where it's going to go and being able to see for the first time ever in this show in his eyes that he's not comfortable with the situation that he doesn't feel like he can control it to me the drama and tension of that but it's it is it a lightsaber versus beskar spiel spear battle no but no. it's <laughs> but it was really compelling in a really good like- stuff Yes. It's the same reason why so many people were captivated to shows like Mad Men for years. It yeah, was that it's a great type show. Of, it's a great show. It's show. one of my favorite shows of all time. But yeah. it is very much about the drama created with tension shifting from character to character. And yes. the power shifts that can happen even in a beat-to-beat moment within a conversation. And that's what was made that scene so compelling, is that from beat-to-beat, the power was shifting across that entire conversation. Yep. And then you have like a Quentin Tarantino. Very Quentin Tarantino dialogue. And yet you had Mando in there the whole time with his mask off revealing. And that tension, tension, that almost ethereal tension was Mm. hanging over the scene the entire time. It was really, really, really smart storytelling, in my opinion. I think it was really, really smart storytelling and it was very authentically Star Wars in that yes. sense, even though it was more elongated. Like it was the Han and Greedo scene, only it was an elongated version of that because you have the time to tell that story in a television format. And I think that was really interesting. Yeah. And and I'll, I'll even go a step further. And I believe I said on this very podcast, I, I admitted one of my hotter takes in life as somebody who is a student, not just a fan of, but kind of a student of stand-up comedy. I've never been the biggest Bill Burr fan in, in his comedy, in his acting. It's just, it's not for me. I don't, I don't have any critiques of his abilities. It's just 
rarely been for me. And his first appearance in this series, I was like, okay, fine, that's Bill Burr. And he's doing Bill Burr stuff. It had almost no impact on me. I got to say, Kale, this might be the most I've ever been impacted by any Bill Burr performance and anything ever. I thought he was fantastic in this episode. I, I really like the way, and a lot of it may have been the clever writing of the scene that we're talking about here where they draw on, because it's one thing to draw on the history of Star Wars, and we've talked about all the cheap ways they do that, but we know the destruction the Empire is capable of. And when it suddenly turns, and a member of the Empire, and you viscerally did this thing to me and my friends and my family, it became so real. Our, Our like childhood trauma of watching the Empire do terrible things was suddenly given life through Bill Burr's performance. And I got to say, thank you. That was a way, that was a human side of the war, the quote unquote Star Wars, you know, the human side of those wars. It's not called Star Father versus Son. It's the Star Wars. Wars. We haven't really seen that human side of it explored outside of maybe Rogue One, which is Maybe my favorite Star Wars movie, and same. that's maybe a hot take, but I think Rogue One is also incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's was super interesting, and I gotta be honest, I was not a the biggest fan of Bill Burr's character last season. I thought it was weird. I thought it sort of felt out of place coming into yeah. the season. Seeing that he was coming back, I wasn't really excited. And then when I saw that it was this episode, like at the beginning of the episode when his little headshot or whatever flashes, and I'm like, oh, this is the episode with Bill Burr's character. Right, great. I'm going to bear through this. It's going to be whatever. And it starts off that way. Even their dialogue in the little, in in the car. In the car, same. I was going, I was literally saying to myself, like, we're getting a lot of Bill Burr. Burr Again, I still felt annoyed. (laughs) I was like, what's going on? And then the lunchroom scene happens. And I don't know. It, it's maybe that's so, it, it was felt so like good to me. I don't know. Whatever. Like, it was. Yeah. Cafeteria, but, basically. Right. Um, leisure area, whatever right. place that's called in the Imperial base. The scene across the lunch table, Bill Burr's character. so good. He shines, man. And the way that he took that dialogue in that confrontational way. Like you said, it might be my favorite in a very acute setting performance of his career. I'm yeah. not a huge Bill Burr guy. I like some of his stand-up, you know, but that was really, really, really compelling for me. Yeah, yeah. And I think he did such a good job in that scene. Um, and I think the directing in that scene was really, really smart. Um, yeah. It was a really simple edit. It was just a, a two-shot for both of those characters and it switched back and forth. Then you had a reaction. Like it was really simply shot. Yeah. But it was really effective. Effective. Yeah. Um, And I think dialogue carried that scene. And I just, it was the standout of the episode for me. And um, it sounds weird in a, a, you get a good chase sequence in this episode. You get, a decent yeah. little fight sequence at the end. You get uh, some sharpshooting. You get all of that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of cool action set pieces in that. But to have the human episode, the dialogue stand out of this episode, part of that's why this episode, I think, felt very different than what we've had this whole season from The Mandalorian. It also didn't right. necessarily 
follow the plot that we've been used to of the Mandalorian of him going to a planet, him needing something from that planet, him needing a person that him meeting a person who needs something from him. Right. Right. So again, it didn't follow that plot much like the last episode did in a very different way than the last episode, but it didn't follow that formula. We'd sort of gotten used to. Like I said, it felt very much like a Mad Men episode. Like it yeah. felt very much like a Mad Men episode. I really like that comparison, I, and I hadn't even thought of that until you said it. But yeah, and I, and I think you know some people may dislike this one because it was slower on that. But I even saw like on our you know as we were doing on Twitter with the DMVR watches and stuff, people were like, "No, man, this is cool." And and it's almost like even though we've had a week off, you you almost do need to catch your breath. As a Mandalorian, yeah. that like another episode where they introduced another fan favorite character and gave us two more great action set pieces. Uh, it would have been too. It's like it's too much. They got to set us up for a season finale. Give us a minute to breathe. And what do they give us? This phenomenal scene. And you're right. This this episode was really built up to and around this one moment and scene. And it's why for me, like you, you could try to give like play of the game to some of the stuff that happened out there on the car. Or to the final sniper shot to take out the place, but I'm, I'm giving it to the moment he decides, nope, I'm gonna take out this officer, and we'll find out what happens from here. And and even that like moment of hesitation where he looks across the room at the other stormtrooper, like, uh, are we doing this? That that was so good, man. Like, and because and, and your head's telling you, don't do that, don't do this. You're gonna ruin it. Mando's going to freak out. He doesn't look comfortable, which makes me uncomfortable that you're going with your emotions. And then he caps that dude and it's on. And that's just yeah. it. And there's no that's got to be the play of the game. It's got to be the play. Game. I don't know another moment I would even nominate, to be honest. Yeah. Especially with like, a, it was very a Chekhov-esque loaded gun moment, you know, where the mm. gun finally goes off. And it is the payoff mm. that they've been building to with the tension the entire time. And that type of payoff, like I said, this episode was very theatrical. Yeah. <laughs> you probably theatrical. could have, other than the the set piece with the tank car chase scene, right? You probably could have staged this. Oh, you could 100% stage this episode. 100% yeah. stage this yeah. episode. Find and, a way and to it was it'd be really interesting. And, and it's amazing to me because we've talked about sometimes – you know, Cara Dune, I thought she was better this episode. She only got a handful of lines, and it was, yeah, you know, sit there. That's not how we do stuff. Yes, that's all you need. If you don't get her what you can't handle, she's fine. Right. Look tough. Say one badass line at a time and get out of the way. Perfect. Right? But, yeah, they, they really gave us. And it was, you, you know, you could say it was cheap, but I've, I I actually think that from a thematic standpoint, the the – journey they took us on to get Mando to take his helmet off um, was was powerful, was believable that he would do it in that moment for just this. And even the and payoff the at the very end. The motivation yes. between him and Grogu's relationship, he is yes. my kid. Like, my yes. kid. I'm like, doing this for him. I'm taking ownership. He's right. my kid. Like, I might never see him again if this doesn't happen. This right. So. Me. This is me being, it was almost a very, it was honestly a very parental moment where he's just like, I am going to do whatever I have to do for my kid. 
Like that is yep. my morals out the window. Like my life. Right. That's Bill Burr's thing, right? That's the line my you will children cross. Are my number one priority, and right. everything else goes out the window. And that was very parental from him in this moment, and very powerful in that way. And I right. think the way they built up to that, and the way they've been showing little moments all season of their relationship budding, even just in those little moments of the electrical wire and all of that, or him, the moment of the force only happening with the ball right that, you know from the joystick is their connection it's all their, those it, right. little moments build up to a payoff of him removing his helmet voluntarily for the ultimate cause of it being grogu and i think that was done in a really emotionally smart way yeah and the final payoff because he makes that sacrifice the person who was suggested that maybe that means that he has renounced his Mandalorianness, that he has somehow done dishonor to his religion, to his beliefs, to his way of life, turns to him and says, I never saw your face. Yeah. Oh, because because he believes for him, it was so good. It was so good. It was so good. It really was, man. And it, and it, that warmed my heart because it's this, it would have been so easy to take the cynical character and keep him cynical in that moment and have him go, see, I told you your, your kid matters to you more than your silly beliefs. And you should take that. But he didn't, he didn't double down and do the thing because he had just acted in the opposite. He had just done the, like you said, he made a moral choice. He didn't do the thing that was pragmatically smart to keep himself, the self-interested, prisoner who will do anything to stay alive alive he shot a guy because that guy was a bad guy and he needed to get shot and then he thought about the rest of it after so they they both flipped they adopted each other's philosophies and then they both allowed each other to go back ah so good it was a really good contained like storytelling episode <laughs> yeah uh, as, snow as lights and duels and stuff each other and the dialogue <laughs> like that's the thing it was very much character and dialogue driven storytelling yeah. which we're yeah. not used to for star wars right and that's right. just it's so it's just different for star wars and that's okay Boba Fett did blow up a couple of tie fighters with really a cool, cool bomb thing yeah, <laughs> like, that that was, like that's the thing. He's like right. the main part of the team now and even then he was kind of a side character in this thing and, yeah. and speaking of which that that does lead us in because now's the time to have that conversation oh Wow, and I, I, I think right now, okay, I think so, and I, and I think this is going to be a little easier in some ways, but also a little harder in other ways than than, than past character power rankings have been, um, because there are some people who just kind of haven't been around and and are starting to fall back a little bit, right? Some other people that are just giving us strong, strong performances. I do have to say though, I think the thing you're going to be happy about, I I think this is where we have to start. Sometimes we stop. Start at the back, sometimes we start at the front, sometimes we start with the most interesting new character. I think we have to start at the front with the man whose name is on the damn headline. I think we gotta I think finally move Mando to back up to number, number one. one. He has He's to gotta be. yeah. He, I mean, it's it, yeah, Pedro Pascal was so good. Such a yeah. great performance. It really grounded the show and who the main character is about again and what it was. After some really strong, almost pseudo pilot episodes for 
shows that got announced yesterday. We will talk about that after right. we're done reviewing this show. We're going to give our quick thoughts on all the new announcements. Um, but so almost after these pseudo pilots where he took a back seat, they really leaned back into him as a character and showed why it's his show, why he's the center of this, and how he really is the heart of the show at the end yeah. of it. And yeah. his it's Pedro his story. Pascal's performance was so strong in this episode. I think he has to go back to that number one spot without yeah. even questioning it. Yeah, I, I, it's got to be. It, it, it had been his time to come out and, you know, this is my story. These are my philosophies and ideas that are being presented and challenged. And, uh, and that's my kid. I'm going to get my kid. And he yeah. really, and the, and the final message there too, with the helmet back on, staring down Moff Gideon saying, look, dude, this is what's up. Like, yeah, Mando using retakes the, same, the crown. Using the same verbiage Moff Gideon used on yep. him last season. So uh, I mean, very, very strong. How often, there. how often in Star Wars history do we really get to see the hero actually stare down the Dark Lord and say, "You know, I'm coming for you." Right? Strong, like, strong, small moments from Moff Gideon in this episode, but strong moments from Moff Gideon in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see sort of back into the other side of the list. I don't see him falling yeah. off. I think staying at number five is about fair. I think that's right. I don't think he did anything to fall off the list this episode. He, you know, he it, it was close because he almost wasn't in it, and you could have maybe made a case for somebody else. And I don't even think he had a line of dialogue. I'd have to go back. Maybe he said something when someone called his name. You turn and have to. The way, in fact, he had one little shift of his facial expression when he realized that Mando was calling him out. There was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Someone's talking to me like this. That was just, it was all there. It, that one shift of the face earns him the fifth spot on the power rankings. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> He's so good. That's our boy. That's our boy. He's so good. His acting is so good. Oh, I'm such a stan. Here's a sentence I never thought I would say before, Kale. I believe we have to remove Sokotano and my dear friend. Rosario Dawson, straight off the list, and put in her place Bill Burr. I think we do. The the was it Migs Mayfield crazy. is the name of the character, but and I never would have thought. Was I never would have thought it was incredible. It was really good. It was really good, and I don't think this is a character that has staying power, but I nah. think he deserves a week on the list. I agree. I think he needs to be there. Yeah. What was Bill Burr's character? The sharpshooter? The Imperial? Migs Mayfield is the name of the character. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Migs Mayfield. There's your week in the spotlight, sir. (laughs) That's, I mean, I never would have thought in a million years, but it's just. You're right, though. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, now. At three. Here's what's interesting. How can I? How can Grogu move up the list? He wasn't in the episode. He didn't do anything. Now he was a driving, right? He he was the ethos behind everything there, that Mando yeah, did. Mando and Grogu's relationship in the show did expand this episode in a it big does, yes. way. And so yes. I think that's how like 
emotionally it feels weird not having them in the one and two spot after this episode is because you feel Ooh, I like, the power okay. behind that connection. Does that make And it's I, not like Boba Fett did anything though? other than no, I mean well, Boba Fett was in the episode. What did he do? Yeah, right. He wasn't even in it. How do we? This is like when a, a football team has a bye week and everyone else. Weird, their having, weird having Boba at number two after this episode. It does. I think Boba may have to drop back to number three. But then does just, that just leave Grogu at two? By at default? two, despite having not done anything. I'm telling you, it's like in sports when someone's got a bye week and everyone else in their division. It's not like Boba had a bad. Episode. He wasn't really in the episode. He was barely The ship there. was more of a star. A when he went to save them, I literally was like, I love that ship. He did a couple <laughs> of cool things. Like, he had a couple yeah. of cool action moments in the first little bit and then the very end. It was nice so, to see like, the armor all cleaned up. The armor, the armor looked good. cool. He looks way better. The black yeah. underneath was better than his He looked yeah. less. Yeah. He looked sharp. Yeah, he looks sharp. But I don't think Eric's making the same jokes this week. No, no. Fennec um, again, she was great, but they, they cool, appear but, power rankings but no, but like yeah. they appear inclined Neither to put me not in the episode. <laughs> Cara Dune was not power rankings. No, no, yeah. I, see, I agree with see he knows Johnny knows. Yeah, I, I think Johnny I is correct. I agree. I agree. I agree. Grogu helped drive the story and and it is. I, I well I'll, and I'll tell you this. Yeah, we were, we were doing our DNVR watches last week, and when we got done with the episode, I got a text from my mom. They just said, "No, Grogu!" <laughs> like people were really not happy that Grogu got kidnapped. He's in the hands of Moff Gideon. Yeah, this is driving the emotional ethos of it, and to see the sacrifices that Mando is willing to go to in this episode, removing his helmet. Sending a direct message to Moff Gideon, uh, going to this character in the Billberg character who he would rather not be working with. All of the things he's doing, just so we can be reunited with the kid. Um, yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with one two. Are we recapping our power rankings? We've got at five Moff Gideon. At four, we've got Mayfield. At three. We've got Boba Fett at two, Grogu. And at the top spot, we've got the Mandalorian himself. The Mandalorian. The maskless Mandalorian for a moment. It's kind of cool seeing him. I got to be honest, even in the small little bits, it's kind of cool seeing seeing him and Boba Fett interact with each other. Yeah. I'm kind of all about it. I got to be honest. As someone who, before this season, was not interested in the Boba Fett thing, I have done a complete 180 on that. It just backpedaled. And it's really yeah. cool seeing Boba Fett interact with the Mandalorian. It's really cool. And my inner Star Wars nerd is just completely happy. So <laughs> just I'm glad I was it. so wrong about my right. own opinion. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, you mentioned it a few moments ago. And one of the reasons, by the way, that I don't feel too bad about kicking Ahsoka Tano off of the power rankings She's got her own show now. Was she got at our power rankings now. before? She's going to get to stay number one on her own power ranking show. Lots of stuff going on in the Star Wars universe. That's probably the one I'm most excited about. But uh, 
I said earlier today on the the Rockies podcast, Kale, I said it's a tough time right now to be a Rockies fan, but it is a great time to be a nerd with all of the stuff that Marvel and Star Wars are uh, announced yesterday. Basically, a great time to be a Star Wars fan. The amount of Star Wars, the amount of Star Wars content coming our way is actually insane. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All in on Star Wars as a TV universe, live action, and they're going all out. We got, I, I mean, I, I want to hear your thoughts about Hayden Christensen coming back as Darth Vader. That's a whole thing that I don't know mm-hmm. quite how to feel about, but we have the Obi-Wan show coming. We have the Katano show coming in. Uh, honestly, the show I might be most excited about is the Clone Wars spinoff, The Bad Batch. Looks super, super cool. Um, we've got Star Wars Visions, an animated series coming from a bunch of Japanese uh, acclaimed Japanese directors telling independent stories in a mini series. We've got a Lando limited series coming. There's a lot of stuff coming down the road. And then we have a Patty Jenkins directed Rogue One sequel called Rogue Squadron coming, which I could not be more excited about it. And then the Andor rogue one show that just got announced that uh, yeah that yeah cast is coming back for and it's already in production so we might get it as soon as fall of 2021 i mean it's just insane how in on the streaming aspect disney is as a company they're just recalibrating their entire company and their entire future around this streaming model and it's a really big deal and there's honestly like no going back to what the old way of life was and that's been one of the side effects of this pandemic and we can right. get the business model and the numbers and all that if you want to but as a star wars fan what we're doing is reaping the rewards of it when we're basically getting three to four star wars fully produced live action or highly produced animated shows a year for the significant future, as well as two new movies coming in the next five years. So it is so much Star Wars content. All of it is high budget. They're putting billions of dollars behind this. And they're just going to make a whole universe. And we're going to get Mandalorian every year. And we're going to get, it's just, it's going to be crazy. And I couldn't be happier. And the fact that we're going to be doing these Mandalorian shows year-round basically now with all these shows coming on. And that, not even just from our perspective, just the fact that we have that much Star Wars content coming our way as a nerd blows my mind. And I could not be more excited. Right. We're basically going to have to create DNVR STRWS. Like, yeah, like, it's, you know, like at some point. Star Wars section. Like it doesn't even have anything else to do with it. Totally, man. And, and I've seen a couple of people. Like I, I've seen some people on our Discord, a couple of people on Twitter asking, you know, is this too much? Is this too much Star Wars? And there's a short answer to the question. That answer is no. And the long answer to the question is take what's good and discard what you don't need. The, The thing that's great about this is that if there's a particular element of it that doesn't appeal to you, you don't like animated shows, don't watch them. Great. 
Yeah, right. That's still the case. There are a lot of people who like Star Wars who've never watched the Clone Wars or Rebels. You know what? Fine. I don't. It's fine. They're great shows. I've never watched Rebels. I I host this show. I like the man. I love all the Star Wars stuff. I played some Star Wars video games. I haven't read any of the novels. Sorry, folks. I I haven't. And and I you know I haven't watched Rebels. I've and I also haven't watched uh, season six or seven of Clone Wars. You know, it's there's oh, the you, most recent season, the one they made just last year, just this year. Like, yeah, yeah, actually, it's, real, it's I've, like I've heard it's good. One of the best seasons of television I've watched yeah. in a long time. They just nailed it. It's like yeah. amazing storytelling. The Anakin character in that season, yeah, so so incredible. But so <laughs> yeah, so when people say, you know, I don't know about Hayden Christensen, is it's the thing, yeah. I'm I'm sure I'm gonna love Maul, bro, and because the thing is well, like Christensen voiced Anakin in the last season of Clone Wars, um, to cool. make and he was came back as Darth Vader in the Rise of Skywalker. However, you feel about that. Yeah. So Disney has not been shy about the fact that that relationship had been repaired and that he, as far as in the canon of Star Wars, is good with them. So yeah. they haven't been shy about that. So people yeah. were surprised, like, after his performance in the prequels, how could they bring him back? They haven't been shy over the last two years about Hayden Christensen is good in the Star Wars world. He's yeah, man. Rebels. He was in The Rise of Skywalker, if briefly, as the voice of Darth Vader. Right. And they are not shy. And now they're bringing him back to play Darth Vader. You can feel differently about that. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how good of an actor Aiden Christensen is. He hasn't done a lot since Star Wars, and frankly, he wasn't that good in Star Wars. So he's been I, in some funky, weird little independent yeah. things, and he's actually been so, solid. I don't know. I, but yeah, I'm very, very excited about the Obi Wan. We'll watch it. Yeah, characters in canon. I'm yeah. nervous. I also have a lot of questions about that. He's sure. probably too old for them to do true young Anakin flashbacks. I mean, Aiden Christensen's in his 40s at this point. Right. People don't realize. <laughs> so, like, right. Right, right. he's too old yeah. to do true young Anakin flashbacks. Right. And yet, are we going to have him play Darth Vader? Is he just going to be in the suit and being the physical presence? And then is James Earl Jones coming back to do the voice? Like right. he did for all the animated shows. Like, I have a lot of questions around what it means that he's playing Darth Vader in this series. Because it takes place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Which, I'm a Revenge of the Sith apologist. I am well on record as a Revenge it's of the Sith It's a good movie. You don't even need to apologize for it. Eric's not here. You don't. It's, it's a good movie. It's a good and movie. it's a good and Star Wars people, movie. People lumping it in with the other two prequels is criminal. Because Agreed. it is a far superior movie to both of Agreed. those by leaps and bounds. And and I'm of the opinion that Phantom Menace has a good movie in it. It's oh, just wow. if you just have to cut it. Actually, there, there's a fan edit out there. I've got to find I've it sometime and send it out to everybody. Problem. Here's my deal. The, the 45 Menace, minute edit with Phantom no Menace, Jar Jar. Phantom, Phantom Menace, Menace has really good is, themes. and It and has a couple stuff. great action scenes. It has the Duel of the Fates lightsaber mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. And it has the pod racing. And those two mm -hmm. scenes are all timers in the Star Wars universe, but the rest of the yeah. movie sucks. And no, you can no, there's that. other good parts. That's fine. No, there's other there's other, other really good parts. Good parts. There's very many other good parts. Just I, none of them yeah. include Jar Jar. It's fine. <laughs> Liam Neeson is in that movie, so let's just calm it down a little bit there. 
there. So. No, there, there, there's some quality thematic elements, and I know people aren't especially interested in the taxation of outlying star systems as the propensity to launch wars, but I find the inner politics to be a little bit interesting. But I look, I, I, I get it, I get it, but we're. Uh, we're getting a little far afield, but, that, but this is the point. Well, here, here's the point we're illustrating here. And then this is the thing is what I'm most excited about is that it all exists because this is the point. Like you find some things to take out of Revenge of the Sith and, and I find some things to take out of Phantom Menace. And some people hated Rogue One and some people hate the Star or the, the, the Disney ones. They can't stand episodes seven, eight, and nine, but they like the prequels or they like the originals and they enjoy the cartoons. Some people like the video games and like the novels. Here's what I do. And it, this actually messes people up. I do it in baseball as well. I wait until the thing happens and then I decide how I feel about it. What I'm excited about is that I get that opportunity to take it in. I'm probably most excited about the Ahsoka Tano stuff just because I believe that any project that has Rosario Dawson at the helm has the ability to go a very long way. She's an extraordinary talent. You build the right story around her and the emotional impact of that character who, who you know, is a war hero who's seen it all, right? It's just that I've seen some things, you know, that's, that's, that's who she is. And um, I think there's a lot of potential there. But if the Obi-Wan is is the best of them, I won't be shocked. I think you know, if the animated ones are the best of them, I won't be shocked. I'm just... I'm just glad they're trying stuff and whatever one is the best one is the one I'm going to be stoked on. <laughs> I think I'm most excited. I guess I shouldn't say excited because I'm nervous about it as well. I think I'm most intrigued by the Obi-Wan show. Yeah. I love you and McGregor's Obi-Wan. I think him coming back is really cool. Nervous about how they're going to work Darth Vader into that story. Um, but I'm really behind the talent they have running the show. Yeah. Uh, What's her name? I forget her name, but one of the girls that was behind the finale of last season of Mandal the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the so not Bryce Dallas Howard, but somebody else. No. Yeah, somebody else. She's. The oh, I know yeah. the woman you're talking about. She was in those. Yeah. They they did those like behind the scenes creatives. Yeah, I know who you're yeah. talking about. She's great. The we'll find her next week. Yeah, yeah. And okay. She's sort of a. Disney like Star Wars developed tan talent. She worked under Dave Filoni and then went okay. on to some other That's right. That's right. I know who you're talking Star about. Wars. And so I think her being sort of like someone who's come to her career through that universe um, in some facet, I think is going to be really interesting that she's the one running the show. And I think that yeah. has a lot of really big potential. And then some of the uh, later on animated stuff like a droid story seems really intriguing to me how sure. you know kid-centric star wars content um looks like in this universe now that we're going live action i just remember when i first got into the clone wars the animated show i was like man this would be such a cool live action show if they ever had the money and the resources to do it and then instead yeah. of making it a live action show they made it a universe yeah. and i could not be more excited yeah like they made there's just so much all potential. the cool parts of clone wars they're yeah. just like expanding that part of the star wars universe right and you can get into the nitpicks of like i wish they were exploring more timelines outside of just like where all the movies we've already seen have taken place 
and like it'd be cool as a video like, game fan republic if they did knights of the old republic yeah, that'd be cool like, but be cool and like i'd love them to explore other timelines and they're not doing that and that's okay um, yet yet they're not doing that yet but uh that's my one nitpick i'm just excited yeah. we're doing so much star wars content man like so that is so the dope. correct opinion so that's dope. All, man just be excited. It's so dope. Like if it, some of it ends up not being dope, then it ends up not being dope. But for right now, man, what a time, what a time to be a star Wars fan. So, all right. Well, thanks everyone for hanging out with us. We're going to do this again, at least one more time. I think we're going to have to keep doing it. Like you said, there's just so many other star Wars things coming our way. So keep hanging more. out with us. What's up? Do we have a couple more episodes or just one? There may be just one more episode before they wrap this thing up. They may have wow. a season finale next week. I'm not sure. I think wow. so. Season finale episode of The Mandalorian, the NVR watches. Big, big. It's going to be big. Could be huge. Could be huge. And then I'm putting together a special little panel of Star Wars aficionados from the DNVR community who have produced some Star Wars content themselves. So we'll be able to have that conversation. Going to be a whole lot of fun. Make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR Watches podcast feed. You're hanging out with all of us on social media. I'm at Drew Priestman. He's at Kale Sorbo. you got to follow at DNVR underscore gaming. Join the uh, Mandalorian chat on the Discord if you're a DNVR yes. member. It's super fun. We've been talking Star Wars all week. So join the Mandalorian Discord. Yeah, we're, we're talking about who should play Thrawn. Like, we're getting into it, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> deep into it. So, uh, you may the Force be near you, at the very least. And thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate all of you. See you next time.